we get started here, Alfonso did a really good job last week, and I'll touch a little bit more on that. But this week, um, I just sort of get your mind where we're going. We're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do a little quiz here, okay? I want to just give some famous uh, duos or famous go-together type phrases like thunder and lightning. Um, everything be throwing up on the screen there for you. Uh, Bert and Ernie, okay? Or if I said Starsky and Hutch, yeah, see. So we're going to play this, okay? I'll just throw out a few here, see how you do, okay? Batman and, okay, this is for a younger generation. Drake and Josh, yes. I'm like, who? Okay, for those of you who didn't know, you'll get this one. Laurel and yeah, you guys got that one. Okay. Um, here's a different one. Shrek and donkey. Yeah, somebody said Fiona first service. I've, I, everybody needs a donkey. Anyway, uh, let's go a different route. Peanut butter and? Yeah, unless you're a Reese's fan, then you might choose chocolate. But anyway. Uh, salt and? Ketchup and? Yeah, you're doing good. Hugs and? Spaghetti and? Wow, you guys are good. Last one. Bacon and? Yeah, bacon goes with anything, though. Come on, let's be real, okay? Uh, I was in, uh, in, in city of Maumee this past week. I had a meeting, and right next to where my meeting was is a candy shop. And so I went in the candy shop because they had all the throwback candy. You know what I'm talking about? The old, the old, uh, not just saltwater taffy, but all the old school candies. And um, I was like, oh, this looks good, this is good. And I went to check out, and as I was checking out, there at the counter was, this, you're, you're going to love this, chocolate-covered bacon. You're not going to like that. I didn't, I didn't either. For, and two, for $2.50 a slice, I passed. But I'm sitting there going, bacon and chocolate? I, I might have to draw the limit on that one right there. It's very good. You're going to testify to that? Next time you buy a slice, let me know. Break off a piece. We'll give it a shot. Well, you guys did great. But I did, here's the thing. Here's, here's why I did this, because now we're in the book of James. James is like, he's going to say this, faith and works is, is what's going to come up over and over. And he's like, he puts it on repeat. It's like that concrete and cranes. Okay, it's faith and works, you know, faith and works. And he's like, oh, let me mix it up. Works and faith. Ooh, did I throw you off? It's the same thing. Faith and works. It's going to be over and over and over again in this scripture for a reason. And you'll discover that as we go. Before we get into the faith and works, though, let me rewind back last week to what Alfonso shared. He did a fantastic job. And I will admit uh, that throughout this week, I was convicted. Okay, even last week as he was preaching, I'm going, yep, yep. And then, you know, the whole judging people and favoritism. I'm like, I am not prejudiced. I am not so favoritist. I am not that way. And then I caught myself looking at somebody like, oh, well, they're all, oh, oh, hey, I guess that's me. Um, thank you, Alfonso, for pointing out God's word. And even though I know it, when it gets brought back up, it's like, yeah, I think we can all be convicted of that. And I will admit last week as he was preaching, he shared about Gandhi. He shared about how as a church, how sometimes as a church, we can be probably the most guilty of judging people. And I was thrown right away back to 1990. This was a while ago when I was a youth pastor and we had a group that went out to Washington, D.C. for a youth evangelism conference. We got into the heart of downtown D.C. and we were there for four days and learning about sharing our faith. I figured, well, if I'm sharing my faith, and these kids are learning to share their faith. I probably ought to do it, right? Don't just hear it, but do it. So I was out in the street just, you know, walking. We had a break and ran across a homeless man. And he right away, he's asking for money. And it's like, I've been told, don't just give them money. See what they need. So I was like, well, what do you need the money for? And he goes, I'm hungry. And I looked over and there was a McDonald's. I said, well, how about we go to McDonald's? I'll buy you a meal or two, you know. So we went in, bought him a meal. We're sitting there eating. I just started quizzing him like, 
you know, do you live here, obviously? And he's like, yeah, because he was homeless, um, trying to find a place to live. But, well, then why are you here? And what happened? And, well, I've got a daughter, but I'm, I'm really ashamed of where I am, and I don't want to go to her for help. Well, what about a homeless shelter? I've tried those. I said, what about a church? And he's, this is what got me. He goes, I went up to a church one Sunday morning, walked right up the steps and went in, and there's two guys at the door in suits, and they looked at me, and they wouldn't let me in because of the way I was dressed. I was like, the church rejected you because of how you were dressed. And I felt so bad for him. And I thought about this. I thought, have I done the same thing? Maybe not to that extent where I'm saying you can't come into True North because of how you're dressed. But have I judged somebody because they're different than me and saying they probably don't want to come to our church? Or have I judged somebody inappropriately or incorrectly by saying they probably don't want to hear about my Jesus that I love? And so I don't share it with them. Have I misjudged people? And then so as as Alfonso was, was preaching last week, that's what was hitting me. And I was convicted by that. And I thought, how are my actions matching up with what I believe? Well, then James takes us from there and takes us into the end of chapter 2 and drives it home a little bit more. And here's the thing, as I think about this, he says in James chapter 2, open the Bibles up to verse 14. He says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And I was thinking about this, like, well, yeah, what good is your faith? Now, when he says what good is your faith, doesn't this sort of presume then that some good should come from having faith? I mean, is your life better than it was before you had faith in Jesus Christ? Has your faith added to your life or subtracted from your life? Now, there's some women in here who uh, were a part of the Beth Moore study in James. And if you probably remember in her study, she encouraged him and said, ponder in your life. How has faith changed your life, right? So I asked myself that same question, and that is, what good is, what good is it? What good is faith in my life? So let me share with you personally my testimony of how it's helped me. Because of my faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. But it's not just about a ticket to heaven. It's not about just having eternity in God's presence. I have hope. I have peace. I have strength to persevere. I have joy and I have love in my life. I still have challenges and and difficulties in my life, just like you. I still experience pain and disappointment in my life, just like you. Everyone does. I still face temptation. Just because I got a pastor's title in front of my name doesn't mean I'm exempt from temptation. I feel the sting of death. I taste bitterness in my mouth sometimes. But amid all these emotions and disappointments, here's the thing about my faith. I'm reminded in my faith that I am not alone in any of that. My faith adds to my life. My faith gives me peace when I need it. My faith gives me courage and strength to keep going when everything else around me is not Keep going. How can I say that? Because of my faith. My faith reminds me 
that I am loved and I need to take that love and share it with others. So what good is your faith, Rex? I just shared it with you. My faith matters. My faith is real and it is good. But what good is it, James says, what good is it if you never show it? If you never show it. Can that kind of faith, can that kind of faith save anyone? Well, James is writing to these Christians from a Jewish background. And they have been talking about how salvation comes through works. They've, they've grown up in a religious system where it's all about the works. And, and James has come along saying, well, it's about your faith, too. And, and they're discovering that, you know what? This is all new. This isn't works-based. This is faith-based. And then they're trying to pull this together. And then Paul, remember these two guys worked together at one time. Paul shared in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. He said that we're not saved by works. Because if, if I brag about, hey, I got to heaven because of the good things I did, I, I'd be the, boast, be the boaster and the bragger. That's not how you get to heaven. That won't get you there, Paul says. But these people went to the other extreme of thinking, well, okay, so if it's works that doesn't get to me heaven, then it's just all faith. I just, I just got to believe and I don't have to work. It was like two extremes going on. And Paul addresses one, James addresses the other. But remember now, Paul did throw in but you were saved to do good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he goes, for we're God's masterpieces. He created us new in Christ Jesus so that what? We can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. He told Titus in chapter 3, verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying. I want you to insist on these teachings, so listen to this, so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. Paul and James are saying that, yes, faith saves us, listen to this, so that we can do good works. Your faith is accompanied by action. Faith, there's a saying that goes, faith alone saves. But, that, but the faith that saves is not alone. I love that saying. It's got good works that goes with it. They go together. Sort of like this. You, you can believe something, right? You have, you have faith in something. Let's say you come to a, uh, a canyon and there is this, this, this walking bridge that goes across and it's got, you know, the ropes. It's tied on the sides. You're going to hold on to the sides of the ropes and go across this bridge. It's a long way across. It's a long way down. And so you're standing there saying, I wonder if that bridge will get me across. It'll get me across. I believe it'll get me across. I believe it's strong enough to hold me. I believe it's strong enough to hold our whole family. Let's all walk across, right? I believe. Okay, then go ahead and walk. Now, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I, I'm not going to walk across it today. So you're not going to put into action what you believe. Oh, no, not today. What James is saying here is you believe and you act on your belief. You believe it and you do it. Faith and works, they go together. You can use any illustration you want. Like, what good is it to have a gun if you have no ammunition? What good is it to have a car if you have no gas? What good is it to have a kitchen if you've got no food? What good is it to have a closet if you have no clothes? What good is it to have faith if you have no works? Is what James is getting at. Faith by itself isn't enough. Real faith is going to be demonstrated. James, maybe he was just, maybe he was hanging out with Jesus. They were brothers. And maybe he heard Jesus say this, a tree is identified by its fruit. 
if the tree is good, the fruit is good. If a tree is bad, the, the fruit will be bad. Makes sense, doesn't it? As a Christian, if I got faith, you're going to see what I produce. You're going to see my fruit. If I don't have faith, you're not going to see any fruit. So James basically says, this, goes, let me give you an example. So in your Bibles, look at verses 15 and 16. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or no clothing, and you say, hey, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? It's like this. You recognize a need. You see it. It's, it's obvious. It's clear. And maybe you don't know how to remedy the situation in this moment. But in this example that James is using, we're talking about a situation that can be easily recognized and can be uh, remedied right away. The problem is you see somebody, somebody that's cold and somebody that's hungry. I've got piles of blankets and a pile of food. This is sort of the situation that's going on. And you look at them, you say, hey, stay warm, eat well, bye. And you do nothing. James is saying, what are you doing? The situation's in front of you. You can see it, right? You can remedy it. This is, this is the way it works. Real faith in this situation acts. I believe about something. I see it. I'm going to do something about it. So you give them a blanket. You give them a warm meal. When needs arise, it's not just, I'm going to pray for you, but it's, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to do something for you if I can. Maybe you don't have the resources, because the situation here that James gives us, he's presuming that you have the resources. But maybe you don't have the resources. Maybe you see a need. It's like, I would love to help. I feel really I need to help, but I'm not sure what I can do. All right, God, what can I do? Maybe I don't have, maybe I don't have a bunch of food, but maybe I can go serve at a food pantry. Maybe I can assist there. Maybe I can uh, be of some other way the hands and feet of Jesus in this moment. So James concludes, look at verse 17. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now this is the first time that James really speaks of a dead faith. James, Paul, all the other disciples... They would agree that faith alone saves us, but it's a living faith. A living faith is accompanied by works, by action. And if it does not have works, it's a dead faith. A living faith, really believing something, is following through and acting upon it. Makes sense, right? And James says, unless it produces good deeds, it's dead. It's useless. Now, my apologies if this next illustration offends somebody or hurts somebody like, oh, you don't know, I just lost a pet. My apologies if you lost a pet. But let's pretend that I've got a pet dog and my dog dies. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do because you're all intelligent people in here. But if I would call my poor dog that's passed away, it's like, hey, come here, lady. I know you're dead, but come on, fetch. My dead dog won't fetch a ball for me. My poor dead dog won't come when I call it. My poor dead dog won't lick me. My poor dead dog won't do anything. See, that's, that's, what's, that's why it's dead. It can't do anything. Now, take that thought and put it in the scripture here. And James is saying, unless it produces your faith, good deeds, it's what? 
It's dead. I don't care if you have faith. If you're not doing anything with your faith, your faith is dead. God's like, hey, Rex, come here. And I don't know why they always have to make Rex a dog name, okay? But I flash back to second grade when I'm reading those Dick and Jane books. Remember those? Some of the older people are like, yeah, we get that, yeah. Well, there was one that had, you know, not just Spot, but Rex as a dog. And all my friends in second grade are like, hey, Rex. Anyway, all right, side note, where am I at? Um, I don't even know where I was at now. I lost my track on that one. Oh, yeah, so God's calling my name. Rex, come here. Hey, Rex, I need you to serve me here. But here's the thing. If my faith is dead, I'm not listening to God. I'm not responding to God's call. And James says, that's a problem. When God calls, we should have a living faith. A living faith says, I heard you, God. I'm going to obey. A living faith says, he called my name. I'm coming. He asked me to go do this for him. I'm going to do it. That's a living faith. Faith by itself, though, is useless by itself. It just doesn't produce, right? I told you this once, I think a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. I said, it's like I've got seeds to go plant in the ground. If I leave those seeds in my hand and never plant them in the ground, these seeds are useless. They won't be any good until I actually plant them. My faith is no good unless I plant it and live it out. Look at verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Well, you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. <laughs> it's, you know, James like, somebody, somebody might argue this point. James like, yeah, bring it, I'll argue it. I'll argue all day long. The appeal is pretty clear and it's pretty logical. We can't see somebody's faith, right? I can't see your faith. Sometimes my sons, when they were younger, they were like, they were watching like maybe a sporting event or something. And because I work for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they're like, hey, dad, is that athlete a Christian? Hey, is that coach a Christian? It's like, I don't know. I, I, I just can't look at somebody and say, you're a Christian. Unless I see your good deeds, I see your actions, I see your faith in action, then I might be able to say, you know what? I don't know if they're a Christian, but boy, they sure act like one. I can tell. And, and James is sitting there saying, hey, we can't see people's faith, but we can see their works. And you can't see faith without works, but you can demonstrate the reality of faith by works. And James is arguing that if you have faith alone, congratulations, you rank with the demons. Let that one sink in. You share what the demons share. So for everybody in this room this morning, if you believe in God, guess what you have in common with? You have the same thing in common with the demons. Satan's little minions. They believe in God. You say you believe in God? Guess what? You guess who you have something in common with, right? We we share the same thing that our enemy shares. We believe that there is one God. All of us. So what makes you and I different than a demon? This, you know, when you think about this, it's really shock and scary, at least a little, right? Because here's the thing: the demons have seen God. The demons have seen the work of God. The demons have seen Jesus Christ. The demons have seen what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
They believe in one God, just like you and I do. What makes us different? What makes us different? In the book of Mark, if you ever read through the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 5, you're going to see like these demon-possessed people, and Jesus is always tossing these demons out. And it's pretty awesome. But there's one, one instance where one of those demon-possessed persons, you know where they were? They were in the tabernacle. <laughs> they showed up at church. That's scary. But here's the thing. You know, they, they would show up anywhere. But they just didn't like it when Jesus showed up too and he flexed his spiritual muscles. Then they ran, right? The demons believe. Here's the thing. And they know better. They know better. They know the truth about God. And yet they lie and they try to deceive us too. Their eternal destination is set for hell. They believe. So do we. So what sets us apart? You know, this is, this is what I love about James. I mean, he, he, he doesn't care how long you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. He just sort of like, I think last week, what did Alphonse say? It's like a gut punch. And he gives another one here. It's like, you believe in God? Good. So do the demons. What makes you different? It's like, whoa. Okay, James. Here's what I hope and pray you believe. I hope and pray you all just don't believe that there's just one God. I hope you believe, as I do, that Jesus Christ came here for you and I. I hope you believe that God so loves you and me that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that if we believe, we will have eternal life. I hope and pray that you believe that when you have made a mistake, when you have sinned, you have asked God for forgiveness, and that you believe that God forgives you of all your sins, and he now takes away your dirty, filthy rags of sin and clothes you with new clothes of righteousness. I hope and pray that you believe that you have a new identity in Christ, that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you are his child. You are never abandoned. You have been never rejected. And he walks with you because his spirit is alive inside you. I hope you believe that as well. And I hope and pray that you believe as I do that. Someday, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I hope and pray you believe that too. And I hope and pray that that puts you into action. Because that's the difference between us and the demons. The demons believe, they acknowledge that God exists. But they're not living it out. They're not living it out. Faith and works go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? And if you're not doing them both, you're nothing but a poser. You're like, what's a poser? So my buddy Mike, who always took us caving and rock climbing and rappelling, he was a definitely like an outdoorsman, you know, type guy. And, and no doubt about it, he could pass as a mountain man. And he, was, he was legit. He was real. The rest of us, wannabes, we were like, yeah, we put on the hiking boots and we went with them. But we're nothing but posers. We were trying to look the, the, the fit. You know what I'm saying? We were trying to, well, I look like I should be out here hiking or I should be climbing through caves. We were nothing but posers. But it was more fun because I started to believe that I was a legit mountain guy. And then I would start looking at people and I was judging them. Well, that's a poser, Right? It's just sort of easy to do that. And the thing about being a Christian is, I want to look like a person of faith, and I can easily become a poser as a Christian. Meaning, I can sort of do a little Christianese language and show up at church, and I look like I'm a Christian. I can, I can do all that. But here's the thing. I'm like an empty stick of dynamite. 
You know, it's like somebody's carved out the, that stick of dynamite. They've taken all the gunpowder out and everything out of there. The fuse is still there. They light the fuse, and everybody's like, I've got a stick of dynamite. I lit the fuse. And everybody runs, right, because it's scary. But you know what? There's nothing inside that stick. It's a dud. And I think sometimes as Christians, we try to pull that off. Like, hey, look at me. I'm a Christian, you know. And, and the demon's like, you're empty. You're a poser. We set ourselves up for failure when we think we can just get away with just saying, I just believe that's good enough. Faith and works go together. Believing and doing go together. You know, it's the 4th of July, and it's not just the 4th of July, it's Calvin's birthday, and we celebrate that. Oh, I was not supposed to say that in church. Sorry, my bad. Make sure you tell him happy birthday on the way out. Uh, but it's the, it's the 4th of July, and a lot of us are celebrating our independence, right? And we're excited. It's like, yeah, we are free. We're free, you know? And sometimes as Christians, we take that freedom and we apply it into our lives. We're like, I know God's got some words, but man, I'm free to do this, you know? And You know, the thing about our faith is, as Christians, we, we define sin, and I think I've mentioned this before, as missing the mark. Um, but sin is really defiance against God. It, it's, it's opposing what God has told us to do. It's, it's looking at what he has said, and, and we're like, not today, God. That, that's sin. Because of our rebellion, because I want to be independent of a, of a rule or a law or what God's told me. Here's on the 4th of July, we can thank God for the freedom that he's given us from sin and death. But do not celebrate independence from God today. You need God. I need God. We are free from a lot of things, but we cannot be free from the direction of God. We need to submit to Him. We need to surrender to Him. We need to depend upon our God uh, who loves us so dearly. We'll read on verse 20. James goes on to say this, in case you missed it. <laughs> he says this How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I'm sort of getting that, aren't you? Faith and works is what sets us apart, right? Faith and works apart from each other is useless. And James is, is not choosing faith over works or works over faith. He says they go together, faith and works. And then he says, let me give you a couple examples. He goes to verse 21 and it says this, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God had counted him as righteousness, or righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away on a different road. I love that James is like, faith and works go together. Let me give you an example. I'm going to give you an example of a man and a woman. Okay? One was a patriarch. One was a prostitute. One was a Jew. One was a Gentile. One was the best of the best, and one was the worst of the worst. One had a hope for a future, and the other one, well, we're not going to talk about that because they have no future. They are worlds apart, these two. But you know what? Today, you know where they're at in eternity? They're in the presence of God, Abraham and Rahab. Isn't that crazy? And James goes back in time in history and says, let me point out these two people. And, you know, James wasn't the only one that brings up Abraham, by the way. Just you might want to write down in your notes, Romans 4 and Romans 5. Go read that this week. You know, talk about Abraham and how he's justified by his faith and not by works. 
Well, anyway, why Abraham? I mean, James could say, let's go to Moses. Everybody remembers Moses, man, and he has some awesome stories. Well, then we'd be stuck with the Ten Commandments and the laws, and this isn't about law, this is about faith. So we're going to go back to Abraham, where it all began. The promise was made by God. You have as many descendants as the stars in the sky, right? I promise you that, Abraham. And Abraham believed God. And if Abraham never believed God, he would have never done the good work that was asked of him. And what was he supposed to do when he finally had a child? Descendants like the stars, right? He finally has a child, Isaac. He takes Isaac up to the altar, right? He's going to sacrifice him. Because God said, sacrifice your son. It's like, you just gave me one son. I'm supposed to have stars, right? And, and I'm going to kill him? And, but he didn't argue, did he? Abraham believed God. He trusted God. And he took Isaac up and he's about ready to sacrifice him. God said, stop, that's good. I provided a different sacrifice for you. Over in the thicket, there's a ram. God always provides the lamb, right? And so Abraham believed. God credited to him because it was his faith and his works. It was an incredible moment, right? Rahab, she demonstrated her trust in God. She hid the spies, seeking salvation from their God. Her faith was shown to be a living faith because it did something. Abraham's faith was a living faith because he did something. The lesson from Abraham is clear. If we believe in God, we'll do what he tells us to do. And the lesson from Rahab is also clear. If we believe in God, we'll help his people, even if it might cost us something. So church, think about this. Here we are back at faith and works. When you believe, when you have faith, you will act. Faith and works go together. And for some of us, we just, we like, I believe that I'm going to sit back and let God act. And I'm sure God's going to do something. Well, he closed the door. I know God wanted me to do this, but it seems like the door is closed. And so it must not be God's will for my life. Can I ask you a question? Just because you think it's a closed door, does it really mean it is a closed door? Maybe we're supposed to do something, which means... Knock on that door a little harder. Maybe put your shoulder into it. Maybe ram that door. And you're thinking, that's going against God's will. How do you know it's God's will for that door to be closed? Maybe it's supposed to be open. Maybe you just need to turn the knob a little bit harder. Maybe you need to push on a little bit more. Just because it failed, you failed at something the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, does that mean that you're not supposed to try eight more times? Maybe that's part of the lesson. Maybe that's part of the faith journey is believing, believing enough that you're going to keep acting on it and acting on it and acting on it until God says, okay, now, think about this. Abraham was 100 years old when he had Isaac. 100. I have no idea how young he was when he got married and when he celebrated on his honeymoon. But I'm sure he tried to have a a baby at a young age. Do you think he just tried one time with his wife and said, no baby, sorry God, no descendants. And then at age 100, God said, hey, why don't you try just one more time? Let's make it two. I'm going to guess, okay, understanding the nature of mankind, that they probably tried a lot. And when he got older and he said, I think we're done, and God said, no, 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 I, I know you've been trying your whole life. Push on that door one more time. And next thing you know, they had Isaac. Maybe, just maybe, we need to take steps forward in faith and act even though maybe we don't see the clarity of it at this moment. Maybe it's going to be a long journey of faithfulness before your obedience pays off. Finally, James is one more example. 
James 2.26 says this, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. As much as you can have a body with no life, that's called a corpse. In the same way, you can't have faith with no works. Faith without works is a dead faith. Did that, you know, I took, what, about 25, 30 minutes here, basically what James keeps repeating himself. Faith and works, faith and works, faith and works, faith and works. It's like, okay, I get it. I, I think is faith and works is what this is all about, right? So the question is, do you believe, church? Is it evident? Worship team, would you come up, please? Is it evident? You know, I believe God has a part for you to play in your life. I believe God wants everybody in this room to do something with their faith. And when God did spectacular things in the Bible, he always required the people in the Bible to do something. Moses, hold up that rod. Before, you, before the sea opens up, you got to do something. Hold on. Okay, I'll hold up the rod. Right? Joshua, we're going to cross the Jordan River. Before we do, the priest got to go walking into the water before we... Okay, then they did. Disciples, I want to feed 5,000, but I need you to bring me whatever food you can find first. Lazarus, I want him out of that grave, but I need you guys to go roll the stone for me. See, God always had his people involved in doing stuff before something big and miraculous happened. That's the way it works. Throughout Scripture, God will tell a person, a group of people, hey, you want to activate the power of God's word? Then do something. Act on your faith. Could it be that today the reason we're not seeing God do more miraculous things in our lives is because we're not acting in faith? Just attending church is not an act of faith. It's not like we get perfect attendance awards for showing up. Good job. We learned in the New Testament that even the demons can show up at a tabernacle. Faith and works. Hearing the word of God never produces the supernatural intervention unless you are soaking it in and then applying it. Faith and works. Faith and works. Living as a child of God requires us, church, to demonstrate our faith in God. The days of past, passive Christianity is done. We must live out our faith. Would you stand, please? I believe it's time as Christians to ask ourselves that question. What good is my faith? Go ahead, ask yourself that question. That's the question we started out with. What good is your faith? I know you can probably answer that question, but I hope you can answer that question with with confidence. And if you can't answer that question with confidence, hey, Rex, can I sit down and talk with you about that sometime? Absolutely, let's talk about it. Give me a call. Let me know. We'll discuss it. You want to discuss with me? Sit down with, with a spouse, a family member, another person in your small group and say, hey, I want to talk about this. What good is my faith? Figure that one out. Faith and your works go together. They go together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you that we can come and worship you. I thank you that we can open up scripture. And while, you know, James just says it like it is. I do not want my faith to be useless. I do not want to be like a demon. I want my faith to be alive. I want my faith to be active. So God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room. 
that yes, we believe there is one God, that you are our Heavenly Father, that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So that if we believe in your Son, then we believe that you sent your Son as the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, to take away our sins, that when we confess with our mouths, you forgive. And when we believe in our hearts that you are our Lord, you save us. Thank you, God. God, help us to not stop there. Help us, God, now to live out our faith through your spirit that is alive in us. Help us to be obedient to what you say. Help us be different from the rest of this world. When people look at us, I pray, Lord, they're coming up to us and saying, what's different about you? Are you a Christian? Are you one of those Jesus followers? Lord, I pray our lives cause people to ask the question so we can say, this is what my faith is all about. It's a good faith. God, we love you. We thank you for being good to us. We don't deserve it, but you are. We want to sing that to you, Lord. In our name we pray.